Hey, this is Carrie from Dark Remedy, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hey, there's Chris. Hey, sorry about that. I uh, I had to. My computer died, and I had to build a new one over the weekend. So uh, I'm just getting back up and running. No problem. Good to see you, man. You too, man. Obviously, there's Carrie, and we're. Hey, Chris. Hey, Carrie. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. He's in like bumfuck Canada. Oh, I'm in, I'm in fucking beautiful Canada. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. I wake up in the morning and I look at a fucking lake and then I fucking take the dog to the beach. You know, it's like 32 degrees Celsius every day. It's beautiful. Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> so I cannot get my camera. Oh, that's to work, fine. We so can, I'm mostly sorry, audio. No, it's mostly audio anyway. So we're good. Okay. I, I just add this up on the YouTube channel for extra, but. Gotcha. We're all audio all the time. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, I guess we could just jump in if you want. And we usually ask this of everybody that comes in. Can you give us the two-sentence elevator pitch for Dark Remedy? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Um, So we we are a melodic hard rock slash alternative metal band. We go for big wide guitars that big arena sound very modern but uh we like to throw it back to the old school as well okay fair enough what what do you mean by throw it back to the old school we we i mean i'm an old school guitar player and you know all my idols that i looked up to were like you know ace fraley and guys like that so and steven's the same way too so i i I think it just comes natural that we have a little bit of that old school flair about us okay nice you know i didn't really catch that vibe out of the band when no? i was listening to the single no i caught more of like uh, uh you know i and and that's what the beautiful part about music is is that everyone can kind of grab their own thing you know like mm-hmm. i really felt the influence of like late 90s early 2000s like rock yeah you know well it makes sense that's when we grew up but if you know I think every song's a little bit different sound wise. Like our first, our debut single, Blood Money, very much an old school kind of arena anthem. Haunted. Absolutely. Was like that late 90s, early 2000s, you know, him meets Bullet for My Valentine kind of thing. And then Now or Never is evolving. And then the next stuff we've got coming out, it evolves even further. Blood Money is a great video, by the way. Thank you. I, I love that. I agree. I was like, is that real money? And I was like, did they did they drain their bank account just to throw money around? And then I went, after- on, uh, I went on Amazon and I bought a bunch of prop money. <laughs> and 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 I bought this prop gun that we, we had an idea originally that somebody was just going to shoot it off in the video. But what ended up happening was it was me standing there with the thing, shooting it over Paul for what seemed like hours. I, I got to the point where I'm like, oh, my arm's tired. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun video to make. It was a lot. Yeah. Of- like I was thinking from the point of like, uh, cause that was, 
your first video, right? Like it's the first kind of like um introduction to the world, right? Yep. So like I was wondering, like when I was watching it, I was like, did they drain their bank accounts and then throw money and pretend like it didn't matter? And then after the cameras were off, they're like, fuck, we gotta find every dollar, you know? <laughs> Get like, it back in the bank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we we could tell that story and it might make for a better story. <laughs> than- <laughs> <laughs> Your interviews are gonna be a different now. That's the story. A large part of that day was bending over and picking up all the bills and loading it back in and like, okay, are we going to do it one more time or not? Or, you know, Oh God, (laughs) isn't shooting videos like the most boring thing you've ever done? Like you, you have to do it, but how boring is it? I love it. I really, especially with this band, because my previous band, we were a makeup band. And when we would shoot a video, they were like very story oriented and and it would take like 10 hours and I'd be in makeup for 10 hours and I wanted to kill myself. (laughs) I got to interrupt makeup band like poison or like kiss like kiss sinister X. Um, But uh, this band, we don't have to do all that. So, I mean, it's just a lot of fun. I think Steven and I are both just really into the process of everything from the recording to the shooting, the videos to photo shoots. Like we, we we're fans first. So, you know, the little kid in us is like, well, we're on set on these things. We're like, Holy shit. How cool is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to do this every day. Right. <laughs> exactly. We're, Carrie and I are the kind of people that will look at our favorite bands and we'll nitpick every little nuance. They, uh, of stuff they do, whether it's photos, whether it's videos, and we're like, oh, what, what's all the hidden messages? And so now we get to have fun and do that with our band. Yep. Nice. So here's a question. Right. When you were younger and you could actually buy physical media, you know, and you would open up everything, what was the first thing you looked at? Was it the lyrics? Was it the thanks? Was it the production team? What was the first thing you looked at when you opened up those records? Or It was, it was all the photos. I love seeing all the photos. So my favorite album of all time is Meat Loaf's Bad Out of Hell 1. Great and, album. And I listened to the vinyl of that um, just on repeat, like, you know, for years. And and I just loved looking at, you know, all the photos of these crazy guys and like the, the ruffled, uh, like Mozart shirts and like playing guitars and smashing them over people's heads and within the motorcycle coming out of out of the the crevice in the earth with the fire it's like there's nothing more epic to um a kid who's getting into rock and roll than something like that you know here's a funny story about meatloaf <laughs> i used to have a no meatloaf allowed on my laptop because my <laughs> my wife would play it all the time i was like no no meatloaf <laughs> on my laptop <laughs> i've since changed my mind but uh you know that's just the meatloaf sidebar you know so you're looking at the photos, you're checking it out. Um, why the photos? Why not the production staff? Why not the lyrics? I think that's just what, uh, you know, the flashy things are what grabs you uh, at first. I mean, I eventually went through and studied who all those people were. Um, like Jim Steinman, for instance, is he's oh. my favorite songwriter of all time. And I never would have found out who he was had I not like spent so much time just looking at that thing and wondering who these people were that made this, you know, what I thought was a masterpiece. And um, so I eventually researched who all these people are and that led, you know, one thing led to another and that became a habit as I would listen to more albums. I'm like, who are all these people that made this stuff? And that's how I eventually got into production. And, um, you know, I would study the people who were making these things behind the scenes. And then that kind of grew my influence as well as like, 
who are the people behind the scenes making all this stuff? It's really fascinating to learn. It is. And I wish, I wish that digital media like Spotify or whatever, and I know there's a push to do it, but the production crew really deserves credit for what, what they do. And right now I don't really think they get it. Oh, definitely not. There's so many albums nowadays where the only thing that exists is a Wikipedia page and that's not always complete. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I moved to Vancouver because Dr. Feelgood was recorded there and Bob Rock worked there. That's the only reason I moved to Vancouver. I was like, I have to go there. Right. That's where Little Mountain Suit Sound is. I have to be there, you know. And it was because I read the credits inside of Doctor Feelgood. Yep, I'm a credit reader as well. How cool would it be if Spotify implemented a thing that when you click on a track, there's a digital CD booklet in there that you can just scroll through? Why isn't it already done? I beats me. They got more money than I do. You, you, would think, <laughs> you know, you would think they would think of these things, but they're busy giving themselves raises and cutting royalties yes. for artists. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, that's terrible. That's been all over the news this week. It's uh, it's pretty disappointing. It is disappointing, and you know, I think personally, and maybe I'm wrong. And you guys, I want you to chime in on this. With the rise of machine learning and artificial intelligence, that's what they're preparing for. Mm -hmm. right they're preparing to just not pay musicians anymore that's that's what they're preparing for how do we fight that how do we fight back with that we don't have a union like like after or anything like that to stand up for us i mean there's the afm but what are they going to do nothing so how do you deal with that well i i mean me personally i i think it's gonna be a long long time before that ai gets good enough that you can't tell the difference. I've listened to a lot of the stuff that they're doing with the AI music, and I can tell the difference. And it, it all feels a little hollow to me right now. I just think there's something about that human connection that you, you just can't take away. I mean, if you look at the real estate industry, they tried to do that with Zillow. Zillow was on a mission to replace real estate agents, but they 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 missed the one key part is the human interaction. It's never going to be able to replace that. I think it's just time for artists to lean into more so the things that we can control that make us different from AI, whether it be the live shows or, you know, the music videos and the visuals and and that connection with the fans i mean an, an ai band is never going to sit at a merch table and right. chat with fans for hours it's so i agree with you there but do you think the average listener notices the difference i can't answer that because you look at what's trending musically in right. in the world right now and i don't get it so Right. So, I mean, I 100% agree with you, but then we, you know, you look at like the average person that's just jumping in a car and putting on top 40. I don't know if they care or even yeah, they, they may not, you know, it's, I don't know. We just, we just have to evolve with the times. I mean, right. we, we made it through the, the Napster thing and all that. And, you know, uh, uh, Napster, I, in my opinion, that crisis was a cakewalk compared to where we're at now. But, oh God. You know, Napster. We're, we're still here. Napster was like people trying to file share like back in 1985, you know, yeah. like compared to where we are right now. Everybody right. made fun yeah. of Lars, but he was the guy like bearing the torch saying, hey, check this out. There's actually yeah. there's actually a really good, good documentary on Napster called Downloaded. 
it's on Netflix. If you watch it, it's mind blowing how the record company shit the fucking bed. Pardon my language. But they that Napster was going to record companies. Hey, this is the future. You should use this. Hey, this is the future. You should use this. And they're like, nah, we're making the most money we've ever made. Screw you. So they're like, fine, yeah. we'll do it ourselves. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's wild. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, essentially music is a free commodity now. That that's kind of how it's like that. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried and Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there. It really is a free commodity and it's like a business card, really. Yeah. Right? Like, here's my business card. Please come to my show and buy merch. You know, right. and then they're gonna take 25% of your merch on half of these tours. Oh yeah. These venues. That's been going on forever though. That's not that's not new. It's just getting pressed now. Oh, I just heard about it recently. That's been a thing. That's been going on forever. Wow. There's this band up here in Canada called The Smalls. If you haven't heard them, you have to check them out. They're like kind of like a thrash metal-y kind of band, but they're not. It's it. They're hard to describe. Probably one of the biggest independent bands in Canadian history. And they refused all record deals from the States, from Canada. They were like, now we're just going to stay independent. But uh, they used to drive, they used to, they, like their band trailer, they had a merch booth set up inside the trailer with a window that would pop up so they didn't have to pay the royalties to the, oh, to the venue. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So that as people were walking in, the band was in the, in the merch booth in their van outside the, the venue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <nice. laughs> and they would negotiate that they could park directly in front of the venue. It was beautiful. That's great. Yeah. Anyways, so, let's talk about the band. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, how ahead. did we get, yeah. How did we get uh, Paul Crosby from saliva to play with you guys? Um, so he was managing, uh, a, a band that I've played with over the years and good friends with those guys. They're, they're called hostile within, uh, at Virginia and Steven and I had got to a point last year where, you know, we'd been releasing music for a couple of years with no promo, nothing, you know, no intentions of doing anything other than making music we wanted to make. And we decided that we wanted to get serious. So we knew we needed help. I hit those guys up and asked how Paul was doing and they had nothing but good things to say. We sent him over uh, a new song to check out. And, you know, I didn't, I, it's Paul Crosby from saliva. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched them play amphitheaters. I didn't think the guy was going to email I, me back. He emailed me back in like five minutes and said, let's jump on a call. So, you know, we, we got on a call. We clicked real good on the phone. Um, he he saw a, a really bright future for us and believed in us. So off to the races we went. We brought him on as a manager and uh, said, you know, right now we've we've just been programming drums up to this point. Um, if you would like to drum, I think that would add a lot. And uh, he did. And he's drummed on everything since. That's great. 
You know, that's the one of the first things I noticed from the new single to the older stuff is the drumming was like the drumming wasn't bad on the older stuff. It was great. But the new stuff had a personality to it. It was very um organic, for, for lack of a better word, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, there, there's a perfect example right there. I mean, you, you know, we can we can have the best drum programming tools money can buy. But you still can't replace a real drummer. I can listen to a track and know if that's a real drummer or not. The average person, the average listener can't a lot of times. Right. But I know it's there, you know, and and, and just adding that that human touch to it just made it. I mean, there, there were songs. Haunted is the first song we ever did. We released that song in 2020. When we re-released it this year, we totally reworked it got Paul on it and uh just just having Paul's drums on it brought life to the song for me. How does yeah. how does how does having a real drummer compared to using uh like superior drummer or something like that? How does that change your creative process? Does it slow you down? Does it speed you up? What is it how does it affect your process? No. So basically what we do is we still program drums to the demo mm -hmm. and that's what we send to Paul. And I mean, when we're talking about Paul, we're talking about, you know, the epitome of a professional when it comes to drummers. So it, it, I'm sure it would be different with other people, but we send it to him. He listens to it. He knows what he needs to do. And uh, we send him the track without the program drums. And he lays his drums down in his studio in Houston, sends that back to us. Um, it, you know, for me, being a rhythm guitar player, drums are everything for me so you know i i kind of we we've worked with him long enough and i know him well enough as a drummer now that i kind of can hear in my head what he's gonna do with something so i think both steven and i have that in our head when when we're writing you right. know you gotta you gotta write to every member's strengths you know i've got my strengths and weaknesses steven's got his strengths and weaknesses same with paul and, and you write to that okay interesting was it um now that you're starting to get some some mainstream success is it intimidating at all <laughs> are we what no Wait, i'm still looking for the limo out front i haven't seen it <laughs> there's no limo up front yet you remember we're talking about spotify are right, you gonna wait for spotify spotify about and get a limo. 2023 success and 2010 success totally different things <laughs> oh yes yeah Million plays on radio, I got a Corvette. Million plays on Spotify, I can't afford a coffee. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, is it intimidating at all? Everything about this is intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would be lying. I mean, we're not one of those prima donna rock bands that are walking around like we're the shit, you know? I mean, it, it, we're... we're at, at the heart of this all, Stephen and I are two just ginormous fanboys. So everything we do is intimidating. You know, talking to people that we, you know, have looked up to for a lot of our life. And, you know, I remember we went and saw, when we were in Houston shooting the Haunted video, we went and saw Striper. And we tagged Striper up in a, in a post on Facebook. And they came in and commented on our post. And I'm calling Stephen like, holy shit, bro. <laughs> Acknowledge us. You know, it's all it's all intimidating. But it's it's I mean, we're we're on the ride of our lives. I can say that we're we're loving every second of it. What's the um, 
plans to take this out on the road? And if there is, what are you going to do for a, a drummer? So the 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 plan is to hit the road next year. Um, we got some some things we are working on right now, trying to to get some big pieces of a puzzle in place. Um, and we should know how that's going to pan out here in the next month or two. And from that point on, the focus goes into getting on the road next year. Um, I, I, I do believe Paul, if, if at all possible, depending on what kind of tour we get, I think, I think fans will see Paul with us. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So that might be a little intimidating. eh? It, it started as he was going to drum on tracks and, you know, we didn't really know if it would be much further than that. We'd bring in a live drummer. Um, but I think the the further it's gone on, he would love to be on the road with us as much as we would love to have him. It's just all the pieces got to line up for that to happen. Right. Yeah, that's it's hard, right? When you're trying to coordinate multiple people's schedules and then fit it into a schedule that's already packed because every band in the world is touring like crazy, you know? Yeah. And, and the other challenge too, is, you know, we started the band as a, a studio project. I mean, Carrie and I live in different States. Paul's in a different state too. So transitioning from this online thing that we were just doing for fun into what we're trying to do now. Um, most bands don't go through that. Usually it, they're with their buddies in their local town. They've been playing together for a long time. And then, the, the bigger tours start to come. So we're kind of coming at it from a different angle. So there's just a whole lot more moving pieces involved. Does it stress you sense. out? Does it, does oh. it stress you guys out? Hell oh, yeah. Of course, but that's, but that's part of the game. You know, you, you take, you take it one day at a time and uh, you just, you just figure it out. What's the plan going forward from here? Then are you going to keep releasing singles like the new music business model? Yeah. So we, we haven't announced it, but I, I, I think this has been enough people kind of mention it that it's okay to say that the the next single is going to be out uh in september um and then after that we we've got some things that we want to try to get done before the end of the year with with a, a previously recorded song um that would be really good to be out in october um so we'll see how that plans out but the the overall picture is we're going to be working on an ep uh or an album that will probably be first of next year oh nice and, and then we'll tour in support of that nice that's the plan but you know it's it's every day it's 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 different you know we we as as a band just fighting and clawing our way to to get our seat at the table you know i mean we're we're people never even knew we existed before January of this year. So we're very like cognizant of where we're at and, and we're still trying to get everybody familiar with us and, 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 you know, prove that, Hey, we belong here too. So with that said, you know, we have to Bob and weave constantly plans change. You know, we know what we would like to do in a perfect world. We'd like to release that single in September, drop an album or an EP in January, and then go tour, for the rest of the year next year but we yeah we're trying to stay come. we're trying to stay flexible and realistic at the same time so hope that makes sense oh yeah it absolutely makes sense I mean, you kind of have to are you guys get with this new record are you guys going to try and get together to do it or are you just going to keep the chemistry the way it is online we're so we i mean we've 
we've done things different ways, but before I built my studio out here in, in Florida, I would go and record at Steven's studio. Um, I'm probably going to try to make it up there before the end of the year. So I'm sure I'll see him in person then. And if we're together, we're always working on something, but uh, we, we have a pretty good thing going with the way we're doing it right now. Um, so like, I feel like when you're hitting on all cylinders and something's working, don't mess with it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have a question for you. I'm going through the bios and through the stuff that Shauna sent me over. What is Mr. Sinister? I knew I, I knew that was coming. Mr. Sinister. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if you don't want to talk about it, but I know nothing yeah, no, about that's, wrestling that's or sports. Fine. And I was um, like, what is that? Yeah, so that was a character that I created way back in the day. Um, and I had a radio network uh Back in the day, I, uh, that was my character. We were kind of like the Howard Stern show on crack. <laughs> and, and that's where that all kind of came from. And uh, I got into the pro wrestling world as that character. Oh, nice. Um, so you were actually and, WWE? No, not WWE. I, I've I've wrestled with those guys. Uh, and, you know, I trained with AEW and WWE guys. But uh, independent wrestling scene, I've wrestled in florida virginia nice and uh yeah you know it's, it's a lot of fun it's a passion of mine um i'm 37 years old i've been doing it since my 20s i i have no no ill-conceived notion that at my age i'm gonna make it anywhere with that it's just something i enjoy to do doing um and that was also the name i went by same character same face paint all that shit with uh band sinister x oh so, nice nice yeah. nice how do you feel about Billy Corgan buying a wrestling league? I love it. Um, I, I have I have quite a few buddies who work for Billy, yeah. and everybody has nothing but good things to say about Billy. Um, it's not widely known. I mean, not in the music world, but Billy is a massive, lifelong wrestling fan, and he's one of those guys that he gets it. You know, he gets the business because, you know, it's it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's unlike any other industry there is. And, you know, the, the mentality that it takes to understand how to put these storylines together, how to put these matches together. And Billy just gets it. And um, I think most recently Smashing Pumpkins was on a tour of Australia and he brought NWA with him. So NWA would work the same area that Smashing Pumpkins were and they all kind of traveled together. And oh, wow. <laughs> everybody i've talked to that works for him has nothing but great things to say about him it shocked me i never like when i found out about it i was like this doesn't make any sense but then when i looked into it more i'm like oh, okay actually it does make a lot of sense because the music industry is also like no other industry there yep. is and if you're good at figuring that out right like you don't you don't become the smashing pumpkins or any of those bands if you're not business savvy like, right you just you just don't you know, and he's now he's doing it with wrestling. I thought it was cool. Anyways, yeah. it's off topic, but I yeah, just... sorry, that was a so total sidetrack, but I had to ask while I was there. No, that's <laughs> cool. I, I I can always talk wrestling. I'm you know. So we're kind of running up against time. Is there anything I missed that you want to cover? And if not, can you give us your socials, Stephen? Um, I don't really have much to say except uh, thanks for having us, and um, hope we get to do this again soon. Absolutely. And if fans want to find you, uh, Dark Remedy Band, 
Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, darkremedyband.com. And thank you for having us. This was great. We uh, we really appreciate what you guys do for for bands like us. Awesome, awesome, man. We appreciate it too because then we get to hear new cool music. Yes, and we get to hear new share it with other people. You so, got it. Hey, before we thing. go, can I get you to do a bumper for me? Your name, band. Thank you, my friends. Good luck with the record. Hopefully, we'll see you over in the states here somewhere touring. Thank you. Be well. Thanks again. Take Cheers. care. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.